everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me once again for a musical expedition through the stars, my dear friends, Commander Eric, and let's just give him a promotion, Commander David. Why not? How are you guys doing? Oh, random, random promotions. Uh, random promotions. I think this might, is the wrong it, show for that. But it just okay. might. It, it'll. It, I don't know if it's going to stick or not, but we're going to try it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I see Why you've demoted yourself. You're no longer fleet captain. So there you go. It was temporary. It was temporary. Oh, okay. I see. Oh, fine. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. It was. It was certainly temporary, and. Um, Anyway, enough about me. We are um, on the heels of uh, two um, very um, uh, exciting times, right? Like one for the show and one for um, my dear friend here. Um, we'll talk about the show later, but uh, David here, Commander David, is uh, got married over the weekend. Did a little little wedding nuptial thing. Tied the, the knot, so to speak. Yeah, and we, yeah. we we may or may not have bore witness to that, Eric and I. You know, good yep. stuff. Yeah, you were the only ones in hats. What? No way. <laughs> pretty sure. Nobody else was wearing a hat. I'm pretty sure you were the only ones. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It was on your it was on your um, scavenger hunt. Yeah, find someone with big hats. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I had no idea about that scavenger hunt. I heard about it uh, uh, afterwards. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah there stuff was, happened. I don't know what. There was one about, like, finding someone with, like, a bow tie, and I didn't see a single person there with a bow tie. Mm, yeah. David, you weren't wearing a bow tie, were you? No. Neither was your no. brother. No, I'm not a big bow tie guy. Bow ties can be cool. I like bow ties. Yeah, I just can't tie. One. I just can't tie them because like it's impossible. I literally one time tried one, and I like tried for th two hours to get the thing, and it could not get it. Who we like? Oh, just watch a YouTube video. What do you think I was doing for two hours watching <laughs> that dang video? <laughs> Several of them. Hey, I just I'll couldn't get the last part of it. <laughs> I'll teach you how to tie a dang bow tie. How about it's that? It's huh? that last part where you have to pinch the two sides, pull them forward, and shove it through the back hole. Right? That's I can't get that part. I actually had to think about tying just a regular tie there for a minute. I was like, wow, I haven't actually tied a tie in a very long time. And here my brother was sitting there just, oh, crap, I don't know how to tie a tie either, but... Finally remembered. Oh, there's lots of different tie knots. Depends on which one you want. Yeah, just nice standard one. Little single divot, nice and tight. Oh, a four in hand? Sure. Or a half Windsor. Could have been a half Windsor. Four in hand, half Windsor. Usually, Windsor. usually tuxedo ties come like pre-tied, and you Pretty just, sure. they're like, but they're not on, you can't like untie them, right? They're just, they got the slider. For the, um, for a little while, I found I, I I found this video. It had to have been about ten years ago, uh, by now, and it was how to turn a necktie into a bow tie, and 
Anyways, I ended up tying my ties like that for probably about six months or so. And it was it was fine. I mean, did that. I mean, and I, I know how to tie a bow tie, like a real bow tie. So, um, Eric, if you need help, it's I'll, difficult. I'll help her brother it's difficult. Out. It's all about fishies and. I have my ways. I have my ways. <laughs> but anyway, David, we uh, we had a great time at your wedding. Great, um, great time. Great atmosphere. I know it was a, a smaller wedding on purpose, and I hope that you and your bride had a great time at your own wedding also. Yeah, I mean, not to be sappy about it, but I, did, I do remember saying this to Eric um, when the four of us had dinner uh, the day after. Um, everyone who was there mattered to us to be there. Nobody who was there was just an invite for the sake of inviting people. We're, we're pretty deliberate people in that kind of sense. Um, so yeah, I appreciate you guys coming down. It was well, or up, um, seeing as it was definitely, I always say we're going down whenever, you know, we go anywhere, even though it could be up sideways or, you know, diagonal. Yeah, but, I think we'll uh, do that. I think so. But uh, but yeah, no, I appreciate you guys coming. Obviously, you guys were traveling, and, and Eric, you had more fun traveling than most anybody. I mean, we had an adventure going home. It was like, so we, we flew from Columbus to Charlotte. This was like an hour and a half flight. But, you know, we get there, and we're like, the pilot's like, yeah, there's some weather, so we're just circling the block. Right, waiting to waiting to land, just circling, and then he came back on a while later. So we're out of fuel, so we can't circle anymore. So we got to divert to Knoxville. <laughs> so we diverted to Knoxville, landed. Pilot's like, we're just gonna land here real quick, fuel up, get back in the air, and get us back to Charlotte, so you can catch your connecting flights. Yeah, yeah, that was like three hours at least right so we're all sitting there no no food no water because it was a short flight so they didn't serve us anything and we were on active taxi for like two hours so you can't get up (laughs) and then yeah we finally got into back into charlotte and uh we missed our connecting flight right it was you know couldn't get it and so they're like oh you gotta go stand in that line right there that customer service line to figure out what next flight you're gonna get on and that line, people were saying, we've been in this line for three hours. So, thankfully, some some American Airlines customer service agent, like, pulled me aside and said, do you need help with something? I was like, yes. She said, come over here, and I'll help you right away so you don't have to wait in that line. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we couldn't. We So we got in. I guess it was, like, 1030 at night. Fine. We were supposed to be back in San Antonio at 830. And we landed in Charlotte at 1030. <laughs> hmm. And then, yeah, so we had to wait for our flight to leave at 7 a.m. And because it was weather issues, the hotel, the, the airline wouldn't give us a hotel. So we just had to sleep in the terminal. So we took turns sleeping on some bench in, in, the, in like a food area. And all the food places closed at 1030. Like they're not 24 hours in this area. Charlotte Airport, which is massive, by the way. If you've ever been to the Charlotte Airport, thing is gigantic. (laughs) 
Well, all the food places closed at like 10.30, so they were all closed by the time we got there. So nothing to eat. We hadn't eaten since lunch. Good <sighs> fun times. Fun times. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, we had to miss work an extra day. Not so worried about that, but, you know, had to take care of it. and Tell the boss the night before, not going to be in. you know that's the choice of traveling right yeah there's always some horror story of every airline though you know I, I only flew American once when I came down to Texas the first time and that was a direct flight N- nothing crazy there but every every time like I've gone southwest even for a 30 minute little tiny jump from what was it Atlanta to Orlando I think it was it was very short they still gave us like a little little snack for that, which I thought was hilarious because it's like we're just it's like up and down, man. I I'm cool without the snack. It's fine. We're we're gonna survive this, but <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get our snack. God, that's crazy. Yeah, dang, dang. I think I shared my experience that I had back in uh, May and how you know a I think ninety minute two hours some odd flight took like eight hours at one point I'll, I'll share that with y'all sometime off air if I haven't already so but it was it was a nightmare like I was supposed to like me and my family were supposed to get to the uh, Norfolk airport like basically the same time I was supposed to beat them by like 10 minutes 10 20 minutes something like that we we're just gonna go about the rest of our day they got there you know my dad my mother-in-law my wife and two kids and they were there waiting for me so forever so anyway anyway well uh we had, again we had a lovely time um at your wedding and um even pre-wedding stuff too just you know doing um you know like the prep work and and things like that and um just spending time with you so even if um i do have a vendetta against applesauce by the way uh, by the way you're totally wrong about that that was good well, I'm sure it was. I just don't like applesauce, so I didn't want it. You didn't have to have it. You didn't get it. It's fine. I want some potato pancakes without the applesauce, please. <laughs> oh, Lordy. All right. Yeah, well, you guys You guys both got to try Columbus Staples. We did. Yeah. We did. Schmitz and Tim Hortons. That's Canadian. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's they not. had Tim Hortons in in Grand Blanc. Chase. I know, I know. That's or at least I they went. had one by the time we were both moving away. I I went to Tim Hortons many a time, and uh, yeah, we we specifically went to Tim Hortons for uh, breakfast. Our um, what was that Saturday morning? I believe that we went. So, boy. Well, <laughs> enough about um, about that. I mean. Uh, y'all want to go ahead and get into this? Yeah. All right, let's yeah. do this. All right, everyone. Well, this is your red alert as we go into spoilerific territory, talking about the penultimate episode of Star Trek Strange New World Season 2, Episode 9, Subspace Rhapsody. Man, oh, man. Guys, um, as it's already been 
um, advertised and talked about for quite some time. Like this is Star Trek's first in earnest uh, musical episode, you know, in the um, almost 60 year history of of the, the Star Trek franchise. So um, before we really jump into the um, the discussion and like the recap and all the other stuff, I told Eric um, just before the show started that I have a special surprise for him with with this this little discussion we're having today, and that is we have a Twitter poll. Oh, two of them. that two of them. We have Twitter two poll. Twitter polls. So here's your first Twitter poll. You like this? A big curveball. <laughs> Are you, are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. So, I think this is appropriate as we start the discussion um, going into this. And I'm going to ask you guys the same thing, too, here in a moment. But um, the, the poll was, the first poll was, how many times have you seen Star Trek Strange New Worlds episode Subspace Rhapsody? The choices were one, two, three... Um, or four or more times. So one, two, three, or four or more times. So how many times have y'all seen this particular episode? Two. Twice? Okay. One time. Okay. I've seen it four times, by the way. Um, <coughs> so with... Hold on. Well, let me ask you this question. How many episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds have you seen four times? One, one. two, or three plus? Um, I think... So this is the one I've seen the most, period. Okay. Um, and then I think in second place, if you, can, if you want to guess which one that is... Children of the Comet? Yep. I saw that one three times. But the rest of them have been like one or two times, depending. Fair, fair. But um, <clears throat> that being the case, um, let, let's go let, again with the poll. I know you, you all gave me your your viewing numbers. Um, what do you think the prevailing answer is? One, two, three, or four more? Okay. So how long after the episode premiered did you post this poll? Um, this would have been um, at the time of this recording. That would have been math. I need to do math. I don't like math. From Thursday, count your days. Let's see. So that would have been like three days after? Okay. So I'm going to say the most common answer is two. Two. Okay. Okay. So let's go to the results. So coming in in last place. With 13.3% of the vote. Three times. So 13% of those that voted said they'd watched it this episode three times. Okay. Uh, coming in in second place, we have one and two which means that the winner with 46.7% of the vote is four or more times. Wow. That's uh, our 
our listeners, your our our Twitter our Twitter followers, right? They really like this. Mm-hmm. So we best not best not hurt it too much. <laughs> it's it's fine. Whatever happens happens. It's fine. Um, but I, just, I thought that'd be um, an interesting place to start. Um, you know, going into this. So. Um, all right, so we've had we've we've certainly had some musical moments throughout Star Trek, uh, whether it's you know hippies on the Enterprise, um, in original series, um, or it's you know uh, Spock playing um, around a campfire while they're singing uh, "Row, Row, Row Your Boat" in Final Frontier, or whatever else it might be. Um, there ha- music has been part of Star Trek. I mean, even last season we saw Children of the Comet, like we were just kind of talking about briefly for a moment. So, um, so with that, uh, let's let's get right into this. So we we're starting off this particular episode, and um, there's some um, experiment that's being conducted, right? And um, okay. as a result, some of the communication stuff is not being not able to run the way that it normally does so um uhura is having to go old school and you know run the switchboard uh, basically sending um hails and you know personal communiques here there and everywhere uh, for the time being and um it's you see like how frenetic it is you know going like uh, pike asking about um captain battelle and um, uh, was it Chapel asking about like any kind of um, external communication from um, Roger Corby and um, what else am I missing um, I think it was was it uh, Una asking about uh, I can't remember what it was specifically but asking about something so we just see like all this stuff going on right and we um, eventually uh move down to um not mistake we move down to engineering um to really get into the throes of some stuff and we're trying to figure out because there's this um like this improbability field that is nearby and we're trying to figure out like how to interact with it and we've tried like some basic like um english and you know other ways of of connecting with it it's just not working so we have our, our ever-amazingly kooky uh, chief engineer, Pelia, um, asking if we have, you know, tried any kind of music. Well, because Uhura starts humming as they're working. Right, which... And it gives Pelia the idea. By the way, if you listen to it, uh, what she's humming, she's humming her song, by the way. Oh, uh, Okay. She's humming Keep Us Connected. Um, spoilers, by the way. Um, and she suggests, like, hey, why don't we do, why don't we check out music and, you know, maybe some um, simple harmonics, you know, frequency type stuff will, will be a good response to it. And um, Spock's like, hey, this is your idea, Uhura, basically, so why don't you pick a song? Let's see what happens. And uh, the first song that we hear is Anything Goes, or at least a snippet of Anything Goes, um, from the good old American songbook, which I thought that was a little weird to hear. 
I mean, I know, I know it's a thing, but like we're in the, you know, 23rd century, so like, you know, maybe the um, All Earth Songbook instead of the All American Songbook. That was just yeah. Th- I mean, they're they talk. Oh, you mean the All American instead of like the All Earth? I feel like we've talked about like. You know, Picard talks about Gilbert and Sullivan in in Star Trek Insurrection, right? And um, they mention who, uh, oh my god, uh, Stamets, I was trying to blank on his name, mentions the Beatles in the early Discovery, right? And later in this episode, I think we get a Gilbert and Sullivan mention as well by we Una. Yeah, we do, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's okay. But, but like, okay, let me just back up just a wee bit here. So we have a subspace fold. So your idea is pump music into it. I'm just, like, wondering about the logic there. Because, like, I mean, I understand the premise of the, of the show as we go forward. But, like, your first thought is just a... Ah. Why not? It's 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 a mathematical structure, right? It's a message. Is it? It is music not a mathematical structure? I mean, it can be sure, but I'm just I'm just thinking of like all the things you would rotate through, you know, scans and so forth that you would normally be doing on an anomaly such as this. But it just seems odd to jump to music. Well, they should. this was trial number 13. They did 12 trials, right? Of I'm presumably different things that they would try. So it's like, now you got to try something different. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's a creative solution, I guess, to, and not really a problem, but it's so interesting. They're, they're, Although science, I, they're doing a science experiment. I suppose so. Although I would have thought, I mean, just my brain, um, because we have, technically sent music into the cosmos and so forth. I would have thought classical would have been a more apt thing than uh, than what we said. A show, to, a show tune? Me, than a show tune. Which that would have been an interesting like response. Like if like this improbability field, this subspace fold, right? If it would have you know um, responded to like Beethoven, Mozart, Brahms, like how wildly different this episode could have been um, compared to what we got. So, but anyway, um, so we we send you know this particular we we transmit this song right. Anything goes. The snippet of anything goes, and we get this like um, bubble. Or, or this response, right, from the field, from the fold, subspace fold, um, that you can see moving throughout the Enterprise, um, starting to impact people. And Pike's, like, I think one of the last ones to kind of get an idea of, like, what's, or, you know, to really experience it. And uh, that's where, where things start to change. And we really start to get into this musical episode and it really starts out with you know status report Uh, who who gets the first singing line yep Spock right Uh uh-huh 
Okay, so I want I want to ask a question. I guess now's a good time to ask it. So I know that Jeff Russo writes the music for basically all of new Star Trek right now. Did he write these songs, or or who is the writer of this music? Is that something you looked at? So there's a lot of um, <clears throat> ah, there's a lot of credits to this. I'm trying. Here we go. Um, the names that keep popping up more and more are um, I'm probably butchering it Tom Polchi sorry um, and Kay Hanley Hanley um, they're the ones that consistently get the credits with these songs let me see if I can get to um, the writing credit real quick okay and do we know who they are like who I don't recognize those names not off the top of my head okay yeah so most of the, the song credits um, are from Kay Hanley and Tom Polchi, produced by Tom Polchi. Um, okay, I'm going to look these people up. Kay Hanley? This is good podcasting. We should look this up ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Chase would already know the answers so, to these uh, questions. Well, she's... Kay is a, an American singer and songwriter, and... Um, I know that they did yeah. um, they did reach out to people that had experience with um, some kind of musical theater um, and, and just writing show tunes in general and like that specific genre so that's that's all I really know about about um, the writing of these songs so they are from uh, Kay Hanley is the lead singer of a band called Letters to Cleo Letters to Cleo uh, appeared in the 1999 film 10 Things I Hate About You they contributed songs to the soundtrack which included a a cover of Cheap Tricks I Want You to Want Me and a cover of Cruel to Be Kind Okay, okay, I know those two songs, and I know that movie. <laughs> okay, um, that's cool. Okay, that's a, okay. so got, that's who um, wrote them. Tom has uh, musical credits with, um, let's see, Charm, Jane the Virgin, Bull, Elementary, um, Mad Love. Uh, he was composer on okay. Stephen Colbert Presents, Tuning Out the News, and quite a few others. Okay, so the other question I have is, are, are, are all of our normal actors here, are they all doing their own singing, or do they have, like, a singing they voice are. by? They are doing their own, because not are. like, you know, uh, Audrey Hepburn didn't do the singing in My Fair Lady, right? She had a, yeah, a singer, all, and sometimes like people can't sing. They, they, yeah, they were all doing it. In fact, if you, um, this, the this episode's album, by the way, um, I can only speak to like um, Spotify because that's what I really use to listen to music. Um, is th- this album is on Spotify, so you can look at every single credit uh, for each song and see who's attributed to it and all the cast members are on there 
like even um, Babs, you know, who does like a little sing talk kind of thing a few times in the episode, he's on there too. Interesting. Okay. I did see where Christina Chong, she did uh, release some music recently. Yeah. She's got a great voice. We were listening to um, her singles um, in our hotel room over the weekend. Okay, when we get to there, I want to talk about that, too, when we get when we get to that song. Okay. Later. Later. Later? <clears throat> yeah, when we get to it, when it comes up in the episode. Okay. So, for anyone wondering, um, Stabs Report was in 4-4 time, and um, we have pretty much everyone singing this, and, like, they're all kind of caught off guard with um, the fact that they're singing, including our dear Captain Pike exclaiming, but why stable. are we singing? All system stable. Exactly. Exactly. Well, they're not only just singing, though, they're rhyming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, j- just like thinking about it from a scientific standpoint, you could sing and not rhyme, right? Sure. sure. But you're singing and rhyming in this um i won't say it necessarily now but i do want to get it out at the end that that feels more significant to me and i don't feel like i got a good enough answer as to why but i'll leave that till the end because it's more significant in the end yeah but they're not just singing like there's actual music playing in the background too because like they all look up into like before they start singing, they're like, "Yep, where's the music coming from? <laughs> yeah, that's called, um, for anyone wondering that might not know, um, that's called diegetic music. So music that both the characters in the, um, the show or movie can hear that the audience can also hear is called diegetic music. And I think I've mentioned this before, but one of the best examples I can think of uh, from recent-ish history is um, Home Alone, the first Home Alone movie, when um, um, Kevin is at home and he's like got like the silhouette thing, like the silhouette party going on. I think it's like rocking around the Christmas tree that's playing. He can hear that and we as the audience can hear that. That's what diegetic music is. If only we could hear it, it would not be diegetic. So nerding out with me that's, that's all right and i guess i guess it's worth noting before we get into the credits here that special guest star paul wesley again as lieutenant james kirk come on board the enterprise why why is he here exactly to shadow <laughs> is that is that really what Basically. he's doing here i don't know <laughs> like let's just let's just bring kirk in he not like he didn't have his own show and his own set of movies but let's just get him in more for reasons it's fine it's fine it is it is it it's fine <laughs> okay roll credits acapella main title everyone i'm watching acapella. pitch i'm watching pitch perfect again <laughs> yeah you are yeah you are okay so i love the fact that we're in like the the conference room the ready room wherever we are we're in the ready room that's where we are and and like the first line is like so that just happened <laughs> and Kirk, and Kirk's over there like 
I, honestly, I thought you guys all just staged it as like a practical joke or something. But then <laughs> but I, I was singing. singing. <laughs> and then Megan's like, I sang too. And I do not sing. Yeah, I do not sing. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I do not sing. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it's Backstreet Boys, then you sing. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting because like, even La'an is singing here. And I remember in Children of the Comet, she was like, don't let me near anywhere near the song music thing. I'm going to break that. So it's like a, a big character change for her from that moment. Well, she has no choice in this reality, right? Well, Mbenga didn't have a choice, but he didn't put his heart into it. So we're we're there. We're we're chit chatting about you know how we could you know undo what has been done with this musical reality upending everything on the Enterprise, and we're noticing that this uh, they're calling it the improbability field, right? Like I'm not going crazy, right? No, it's a yes. definitely a hitchhiker's guide. Okay, so they're they're talking about this improbability field and basically we're in a musical and then we get talking about like I don't want to turn into a bunny please tell me we're not going to turn into bunnies I don't want to be a bunny we're not going to turn into bunnies it's fine that's the but, Buffy the Vampire Slayer reference right sure is, I've is it watch Buffy well I just they said that there was a musical episode of that show I think this episode yeah. is based off of yeah and um, anyways there's they're noticing that like Hey, it's acting like a zipper because we have attached ourselves to it, basically. Uh, we are the pull tab on the zipper, basically. And as we go, this thing follows us. And zippers work both ways, so maybe we can zip it back up instead of continuing to unzip it. Um, but to do that, we would need to combine some systems, right? We need to combine uh, the deflector uh, dish with something else. I can't remember what it was. The Heisenberg comp. The Heisenberg, Heisenberg comp. There we go. Um, and we would need to do that um, throughout the ship in a couple different places and in order for it to work. So and, and honestly, I didn't like this line here. Like, Kirk is like, Mr. Spock, you explained that really well. I almost understood it. Yeah. Like, I know like, David says all the time, like, Kirk is not just an action hero. He's a really smart guy. Like, just, and I don't know, I didn't like that they kind of made him seem like he doesn't understand the sciency things that are going on in the ship, which I know, which we all know is not true. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so not, I, don't, I didn't really like that line. I, there was, like, just something about Pike that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like, just, like, how, like, not frazzled, but it was just, like... I don't know, like just part of his like body language, his demeanor about like, let's just do it, like let's just find do it, let's just finish this thing, let's get it over with, so we don't have to do this anymore. Like, I don't know like what it was, but it just like the exasperated kind of tone and inflection just kind of was like, eh, for me. It's like, like it's like Captain, really it's like Captain Lorca, it. it's like Captain Lorca in that Discovery episode where they had like. The, the time loop and the space whale and they're like he's like I don't care just fix this thing basically basically so 
Oh, his bike from the movie. We, uh... <laughs> That's why he hasn't been involved this season. <laughs> Cut that out. Just oh, edit stop. that out. Please stop. don't leave this in. <laughs> So, we uh, we we break up and we go do the thing, right? Um, it's Una and um, is it Una and Kirk? Yeah, yeah Una initially, Kirk. yeah. Initially, yeah, they go and do um, the deflector stuff and the Heisenberg compensator stuff. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I just want to say I'm looking at Una here in this episode. Does she? <laughs> Is this new? Does she have like spiky Vulcan eyebrows in this episode? Is, has she been having that? Because I haven't noticed that, but it's very noticeable in this episode. Yeah, she's had it for a while. I, I don't know. I just, I don't. It was very noticeable here. Mm. It was kind of strange. All right, so. They're off doing their thing. They're um, in like a Jeffrey's tube kind of thing. Kirk's up there and talking about the kind of, you know, reputation um, that um, Una has, you know, in terms of, you know, being distant and her saying like, oh, I'm taking a different approach, you know, of connecting more with the crew and whatnot. And um, he's like, there's the back and forth about like first officers and whatnot and how he's about to be a first officer and we get the first junction taken care of, and um, boom, we're on our way into our next musical number, Connect to Your Truth. Well, you, you did kind of, because it wasn't um, Leon's song first. No. No, hers is after this. After. Is hers is a response to this song. Yeah, because she sees oh, them, I'm sorry. Yeah, she sees right. them singing in the hallway. I guess yep. she misunderstands the situation. Yep. And uh, to my understanding, this song is in uh, 3-8 time, for anyone that might be wondering. And this, this just felt like a very bland, generic song to me. It was like, okay, it happened, whatever. I think it's very forgettable, this song, to me. It was, like, this was the cheesiest one to me out of all the songs. And, and that's probably saying a lot <laughs> compared to the other songs we're going to get. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a song and dance about taking advice of connecting to your crew and to your truth, which that's something I don't know if y'all noticed, like how much y'all are paying attention to the lyrics. But, man, Una has a lot of lyrics, like each of the songs that she's singing or, or part of. She somehow has the lyric of your truth in in most of the songs. I don't know if you noticed that. Is there a reason for that? Because she was hiding her truth and she got to honestly, speak her truth this season. That's honestly what I'm thinking. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> now we get Laon's song, right? The response to this, which this is kind of the song that I, I want to talk about here. Like I said, when we get to it, I want to talk about it. Um, I, This song... I like this song. I do. It's a really good ballad. And I, if this, this, you said this is Christina Chong actually singing this. Mm-hmm. She's got a really good voice. Um, but this isn't like the wrong. This song is in the wrong place in the episode, as far as I'm concerned. Like, mm-hmm. I like 
because to Laan is such like a like a strong willed and reserved character that to me it doesn't make sense that she would like break out into song in this moment because of the emotion. I feel like yeah, she overheard this conversation. She's dealing with her feelings for Kirk, but I feel like like imagine if this song came like after she was rejected i think that's like a better place for this song i don't know it just felt out of place to me like she could she would should have been able to control her emotions at this point i don't know how you guys feel about that well i mean i i just think with the the content of it she's just almost in a way dealing with her not taking chances i i guess and like the chance of this is is like Ah, I could screw up time stuff, but I want to tell the boy I like him. You know, so I mean, I, 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 I can see what you're saying. I, it would be interesting, but I guess just from the, the sole content, you know, we're just dealing with somebody who doesn't, isn't, isn't into taking those sort of personal risks. So, and maybe seeing... Kirk and, and Una so free here and they're they're dancing they're not just singing they're like literally like doing these little skippy dances down the corridor and there's people like yeah. in yeah. the corridor kind of looking at them and it's like well I could never do that mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay it's fine and I guess the other thing about this song like I know a lot of the times in musicals our, our actors and our actresses they're not singing live they're like lip syncing on set and they like recorded in studio and, and I don't know if you guys thought, saw this or not but I watched this on my tablet and the audio and the picture on this song was ju- it was just off for me like it was like n- bad lip syncing it looked like cause like her lips moving did not match the audio at all I didn't have that experience with this song but I did with another one coming up I, I I even I even asked Raquel I was like does this does this match up to you she's like no this is it's way off huh. Huh. Interesting. so I don't know were they singing live or did they were they lip-syncing and they just dubbed well, it I mean, in later in post well, I mean the way that like musicals and just voiceover in general is I mean they're going to sing it live they're going to have to but you're gonna have like crappy audio like whenever mm-hmm. you're actually recording it, so you have to go in and do ADR for it. You do, you do the looping, right? So you're gonna go and do an ADR session. You're gonna sing it like into like microphones that are better than the ones we use, but similar, right? Um, and then they're gonna match it up. So depending on how good someone is with, you know, dubbing, basically, like responding to like the the video that they're seeing in front of them that's going to probably depend and also it's like an editing thing too but i mean that's just a really basic rundown of it but yeah it just looked really off to me in this song well it's it's the same with any recording of anything though there's really no performance that's going to be 100% the same as the recording you get some people who just prefer recordings like um Nah, I'm not going to bring up anything at this point. But, I mean, there, there are a lot of musicians who have these great studio recordings but can't put anything out on stage to save their lives. You know, it's just they capture that moment and then that's it. But 
I, I, I guess also to respond, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, but I didn't, I didn't really see that. So, sure. Okay. okay. Well, um, after we have the ballad, right, which is in four four time, we uh, we have this realization that you know there's this emotional um, compromise that um, is our, our emotions are basically going to be a security threat for us um, based on like what she just experienced just seeing Kirk like what, what La'an just saw with Kirk and, and Una and she's you know next to Pike in the turbo lift basically saying we gotta guard our emotions basically which I liked I liked that she's bringing this up to the captain and he's like well hopefully it won't come to anything and um, <clears throat> anyway, so we're we're back on the bridge. And um, by the way, all of the connections, the wiring, and the whatnot has been finished. And Uhura's like, "I'm not trying to rush you, but I'm rushing you. Like, let's let's get with the gittens." And we get and the gonna... brother. The, we get the brotherly fighting. We do. Yeah. Like she was talking to me. You don't know that? Yes, I, I do. Work I actually work here. <laughs> this is not your department. <laughs> <laughs> you asked me to be here. <laughs> oh, Lordy. So we're going to try and um, zip the zipper. And in doing so, um, it just makes things a little worse. It starts to work, but then it just frazzles. And the field that we had that was just centralized to the Enterprise that we're aware of has now expanded. Is now expanded to so many more people and uh, we find that out here in just a moment when we have this incoming transmission from uh, the Cayuga it's Captain Battelle uh, Captain can we have a private conversation in a more discreet location about our cancelled vacation why am I singing and rhyming <laughs> Marie, I'm gonna have to call you back. Oh no, you don't. <laughs> oh no, no, you don't. <laughs> so again, private conversation is also in a four-four time for anyone wondering. Yeah, is that this? I was like, Raquel's like, he sounds like Hugh Jackman in Les Misérables. Oh, <laughs> That's what she thought Anson Mount sounded like. I was like, I've got the sense of similar quality. I can hear that. <laughs> So, and Laan just you see her just get up from her station and she just walks over and pushes the button yeah. off. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> so, at this point where we've we've now tried to zip it up and now it's expanded and it's um, spread right to. Um, the rest of, of you know, the fleet, and to Robert some... April, Admiral April had a beautiful baritone, right? But it's also spread beyond that too, and uh, we're we need to figure out. Okay, the zipper didn't work, so can we just blow the thing up? That it might actually work. That's that might be a viable option. 
But we should test it small first. That was I love that. Like <laughs> I know, let, like a more that's controlled something. environment. Let's see what happens. I definitely feel like if this were an original series episode, they would have already fired torpedoes at it though. <laughs> like we're trying to be all scientific. It's like let's do it on a small scale. No. Torpedoes now. All of them. Phasers. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All 37 of them. All of them. <clears throat> so we, uh, we're going to try something, but it's going to require some, uh, some, uh, some cross-targeting. It's going to require uh, two persons. Well, you got two persons right here. I'll do it with you. Yeah, yeah you because Lange came in hot. She had an energy tour that Una picked up on right away. Fire. Fire. Making me sweat. <laughs> I really thought that was going to be the start of another musical number in that very moment. Yeah. But but we get the we get the the Una cuz she gets her second song here. She does. She pulls La on the side and then they do some like fantasy musical floating, right? This is the only like fantasy musical moment, right? Keeping secrets. Um, <clears throat> also in four four time. Again, I, I I think like Una's songs. I know she gets she gets two of them, but they're just I don't remember it really anything about them. Hmm. Other than they floated here, hmm. couldn't tell you anything about what this song is about at all. I just know they floated. So, if I'm remembering correctly, at this point, you know, after we've done the the floating and the keeping the secrets and having the tender moment between the two, um, we've we're back um, tr- about to finish um, the transport, the cross targeting of like a sample of um, this rift, this improbability field. Um, for us to take a closer examination of and do like that small experiment. So we, we focus in on it. Laon's about to, um, you know, spill the beans while they're beaming the stuff and transporting it to Spock and uh, just doesn't get the chance. And we cut um, to after this little part of the rift has been beamed aboard, it's been cut out basically, and uh, apparently it like blew like a small hole in engineering or something like that. Yeah, it's so, like, yeah, uh, we just got to beam it in. Of course, Spock and Uhura get to, they get the fun part. They get to blow it up. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't work. So if we, if we, if we do this, it's going to cre- create so much damage in its wake that it's just not a viable option. So we can't yeah, blow I, the thing up. I love Spock's analogy here. It's like, it would be like dipping this thing in kerosene and just throwing a match on it. Very, like, very descriptive image. Like, this is bad. Yeah. So. But that's when we get a call from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Getting a hail. From whom? From the Klingons. Oh, it's the like, Kling- don't answer. Don't answer. Don't. Yeah, we can't. We can't infect them. Please don't. All we, all we need is singing Klingons. Okay, I don't know if I like. I don't know if I like that line. Nobody needs a singing Klingon. Like, maybe we just don't know enough about Klingons at this point because we're too early in the history. 
but Klingons love to sing. Really and I didn't do. like that, like, oh, this you have dishonored us by making us sing. Klingons love to sing. Yeah, the, the only like thing... Like, they sing I... on the bridge as they're going in to fight to get crew together, and we know Worf loves his opera, right? Like, Klingons like to sing. Yeah, the, the only thing I can think about there is that, you know, this is making people get more personal about it. And whereas, like, the Klingon songs always, you know, about something or rather that maybe they're, I don't know, confessing weird stuff to each other. It's like, oh, I didn't kill the captain yesterday when I should have. You know, it's like, oh, crap, dishonor, you know, something like that. <laughs> but but you're right. I mean, I don't I, I'm not going to jump too far ahead, but like I could have gone for some singing Klingons, <laughs> like in the way I thought singing Klingons should have been. But I'll leave like that Klingon too. opera, like dirge type we'll, stuff. We'll, we'll later. I mean, you you just you just think that they would sing in their in their own little in their own little way, you know, and mm-hmm. that would be okay. Mm-hmm. So, what do we do? We need to uh, we need to keep studying this thing and think of a new way to um, understand and explore it. Like we're playing uh, what would old ru- old rules in a new game. I think is how Pike put it. So, um, get new data, by the way. Get new data. But also come up with a battle plan where we could stop the Klingons from just blowing everything up. Yep. Um, Because they're ready to launch and blow the thing up pretty darn quick. And um, anyway, so we need to find basically another, you know, song outbreak for us to be able to study and stuff which I want to just mention this real quick like this was something that kind of bugged me I know I kind of glossed over it but um you know we have Uhura who was doing like the the switchboard basically um earlier on in the episode um Spock was like is that a is that a, a letter for um chapel or whatever regarding the fellowship um and bef- but just before that he's like what's the frequency What's the frequency of the song? Do we what can we what do we know about like the frequency of this stuff? And it goes right into like the chapel news. Doesn't give um, Uhura a moment to even answer his original question of like regarding frequency. And then we're in the halls following this conversation, and Spock is talking about frequency again. I'm like, Dad Gum, dude, like if you just like let Uhura do her thing, you might know what the dang frequency was 20 minutes ago. But that's just me. Which you could probably extrapolate frequencies based on what the key is, the chords that um, the song is in. But um, so we're waiting for another musical outburst, and um, Ohura's like, "Hey, there might be an emotional thing right there." Oops. Let's go cause an emotional outburst. Right. So we're we're in the bar, we're in the rec area, whatever we're calling this thing. Six forward, I don't know what it's called. Um, and it's Chapel and uh, was it George that are celebrating? Oh, George and Erica that are um, celebrating. You know, Chapel's um, acceptance into this fellowship program. And under like, under Doctor Cordy or whomever Corby, and yeah, her Corpy, which is. Future fiance, which is a reference to the guy in 
the What Are Little Girls Made Of episode. And um, Spock's like, why don't you tell me? Were you like purposely avoiding me? And uh, then we get our next song, a little, we get a little um, Fosse action, right? Like a little, like Chicago kind of feel to it with the song I'm Ready, uh, also in 4-4 time, as best as I'm, I was able to hear it and make sense of it. Um, Eric, you had mentioned, um, and how would that feel, like the, I think the uh, video and the audio kind of being off? Mm-hmm. That's how I felt with this song. No, I I noticed it here too. I just I thought it was more significant before. Like she's singing like such rich vocals like in the audio, but like her body isn't matching up with the rich vocals to me. I don't know if David if you paid that much attention or or not to it. Yeah, I I mean I I I see what you mean, I guess, but I mean that that's gonna go to, you know, h- however you're projecting, because like you, there are some people out there with really strong voices that look like they're literally not uh, not projecting at all. Um, lead singer of Soundgarden, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell. Crazy powerful amazing vo- voice. Amazing voice. <laughs> but if you ever watched him he keeps a very tight lip like his lips barely move and it's and it's all in his neck like if you really look at his neck but if you just looked at his face and his little lips you know you probably wouldn't have necessarily thought all that would come out of there so i mean i i get what you're saying but like to be somewhat realistic in in terms of performance versus what somebody could belt out it, it could be very different So Spock is visibly shaken um, by hearing this and like hearing Chapel even admit in the lyrics like basically if I have to give you up let it, I'm ready like let it be type of thing and I think that's that's pretty consistent with Chapel's character you know with what we've this seen chap- in like with this, these two seasons, like the commitment issues that I think we've we've seen her talk about and demonstrate um, up to this point, so it's it's definitely on brand for Chapel right now. Um, so, did you like uh, that song? Because I've heard a lot of people saying that that was like one of the standout songs for them. I did like it. I really like it. My wife um, sings alto, and um, she's convinced that Jess Bush is an alto, and she wants to um, like really learn this song and belt it out herself. So, um, okay, yeah, I, I like it. Um, this so-, so when it comes to musicals, uh, whether it's Broadway, it's Disney, or it's anything else, there there is seemingly a reprise that takes place and like you'll you'll see like the the title of the song right and then in parentheses will say like reprise or reprise whatever you want to call it and you don't see on the song list 
in this episode, like on the album or whatever, you don't see like something something reprise at all. You don't see it. But if you if you listen to the next song, which we find ourselves back in engineering, by the way, uh, with Spock and Uhura, Spock is starting to feel things, and um, the reprise belongs to him. Instead of it being "I'm ready" as the reprise, it's "I'm the X." Well, I mean, I think you missed. I, 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 I get you. I think you missed a big scene. That's fine. In between, okay. in between, I'm ready and and I'm the X. I mean, you could talk about it, but I, if we're going in order, I mean, we, I think we get like what is supposed to be the emotional center of this episode. But I guess I have a whole problem with this whole storyline, right? And it's the it's the Laan and the Kirk thing here, mm-hmm. right? Where she's like, I don't care. I'm just going to come on and say it. It's between us. I got to say this before I break out into a 17th century sh- sea shanty. I, w- I would love <laughs> I don't know what that. that means, what, what a sea shanty is. Is that like a – I don't know if you can explain that. Oh, man. I, I hear it like all the time. Song of the sea. Once was a man who put to see you. Okay, all right, all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was a weirdly specific 17th yeah. century sea shanty. She's like, I know you. Well, not you. Well, of course I know you, but like, you don't know. You get it. Like, I, well, I don't like rules, but like, are you like supposed to be telling me this? And and I I, I her like I understand. I, like I love her confession here about like, you know, he saw me and. He didn't see the name and all the baggage that comes with it. He didn't care, and he made me feel like this is like a like, a, some really like powerful emotional stuff that she's telling. Like, how long were they together? They were together for like two days, three days, maybe. So this is like a lot of emotion to be feeling in like a short period of time. It happens, right? But it just feels like a lot um, for the time that they spent together. But you know, it's it's really sweet what she's saying, like pouring out her heart here. Um, and she's like, I like the way he looked at me. Right, he made me feel like I could be my true self, and I didn't have to like put up a facade anymore. And she's like, but then he was gone. Then he was gone. And I know you're not him, right? But like, I like the way you look at me too. Like, am I anything like him? No. And yes. But yes. Yeah. It's like, I, I she's like, hey, when I met you, like, I felt a connection too, right? Like, but I'm not him. And there's something you have to understand right now, right? I'm in a relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And on and off and on, right now it's on. Oh, you should have said that. No, it's complicated because, like, Carol is pregnant. That confused. That no, that, that's what that's what confused me because I, he didn't know she was pregnant. I he did not know. He, he I think he knew Carol had a son, right? But I he did not know that this was his child. That he had a child. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, this to me does not track at all. I was just, I was trying to think like, in terms of math, like does it add up? Because we're, we're like seven years, right? Six, seven years uh, prior to like TOS stuff. And then we have, you know. I'm going to bust out the chronology project right here. <laughs> Thank you. 
so much. <sighs> but then we have, um, so we have that. Okay, so we're in 2259 right now. Correct. Right? So uh, the Wrath of Khan takes place in 2285. Because it's, it's his birthday, right? It's Kirk's birthday. So at the start of the movie. 26 years. So 2285 minus 2259. 26 years. Ha, that that tracks okay. with, how old, with how old his son would have been then. But, like, he did not know that he had a son. Right. I'm like... I don't like this. You keep mess. Don't mess with my, my, my cannon here. Although we know cannon doesn't. Cannon is what the writers need it to be. Yeah. Especially in the modern era. I do agree with you, Eric. I, I did. I mean, I I liked the scene, and you know, we obviously we can articulate why these Kirks are different. The other Kirk lived in a very different universe and had different trials to this Kirk, too. And the Kirk that died was probably closer in experience to lay on in her, in her experiences as well. So, <clears throat> yeah, but it's, I guess my problem is we spent like this is like, I guess, the emotional center of the episode. And and like we also spent on this other relationship between Spock and and Chapel, but like these two relationships we know don't work. Like there's the will they, the won't they, but it, there's no will they, won't they because we know they won't. Right. And it's like, why are we investing all this effort here when like we know where it's going? And it's like maybe the the Pike and Battelle, maybe that should be where you put more of your energy to because. Theoretically, Pike is your main character. Well, th- theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, yes. and I mean, it, it, as we get as we get on, you know, towards that ultimate sort of, you know, last sort of song and dance, or like, you know, just the the, the last conversation between the two of them in this episode. I don't think he's revealed his eventual future to her yet, has he? Right? It doesn't seem like it. Like, like it seems like he, like from what we know from like the pilot episode, she knew he was like keeping something, but he hadn't told her what it was. Right. And see that that honestly that if we ever get that reveal, that's like that would be like a that could be a really crazy emotional time right there too. You because know, we know the people that he shared it with, but if he's actually bringing somebody else into his sort of circle there, that's a big deal. It's not just about vacations anymore. You know, mm-hmm. it's about the future that he doesn't have. And that's heavier than, as Eric put it, just the the two relationships that we know don't come to fruition later. So, mm-hmm. All right, Spock. I know the cow can do the calculus. Oh my God. Get your maths on. <laughs> we do. Um, but yeah, this is the reprise of, of it. It's, um, uh, it's a, a, diff- a slightly different arrangement um, from I'm Ready. Still a 4-4 time, but um, 
if you don't believe me, just listen to the phrasing, uh, both with the instruments, but also with the lyrics, and how Chapel sings the first few lines, and how Spock sings the first few lines, and you'll see it. So there's your reprise for any musical snobs out there that need a reprise. There you go. It's right there. And that I usually comes that at the end. That usually comes at the end. Like you've gotten all your songs, and and, and you you reorganize. Sometimes, I mean, like, look, I'm about to admit something here. Like, we listen to a lot of Little Mermaid here, and there's a reprise of uh, Part of Your World early on in the movie. Like, Part of Your World is, like, one of the first few songs, and then, like, you get a reprise of it, like, a few scenes later. So reprise can happen whenever, but, yeah, I mean, in general, it's going to happen, you know, probably closer in most cases to the end of I'm just song. thinking of your typical rock opera okay. right or your your you know album right your like that there's usually like a song at the beginning and then there's the same song at the end called the reprise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. so yeah Spock is like pretty defeated like during this song um, and I, I love the lyrics in this like I don't know if y'all watched it with subtitles um, or you looked at the lyrics at all, but it starts out, you know, with um, like the literal X, like I'm the X, E-X, and searching for Y, W-H-Y. But then later on it goes down to um, like he's talking about all the math and stuff. I solved for Y and checked all my computations but missed vital information and then I'm the X letter x so it's going from like relationship to algebra basically but there's a relationship between x and y there is but i'm trying to break i'm trying to make it pretty dumberific okay thank you very much i i I know i was you like i originally watched it without the subtitles and you're like did you watch it with the subtitles you should go back and watch it with them (laughs) i did say that um, so Spock leaves and we're left with Uhura. They're like still trying to figure out like she's alone and like she's like, gosh, why am I always alone? Like, am I better off solo? And it's not S-O-L-O, it's S-O-L-O-W. So like she's she's dealing like with this like depression, this grief of like losing family and like seemingly feeling isolated all the time. Um, is really what she's belting out in this need to basically prove herself in um, keeping people connected and saving people. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say, for me, this is the musical highlight of the episode right here. Like, uh, our, this is just, this is fantastic singing, fantastic emoting. I love the camera work in this episode, how it pulls back out to the, when she when she goes up and then it's spinning around and there's musical equations in the air at this is the this is the highlight of the episode for me so music, Celia music Rose has a grammy oh okay yeah she's got a grammy so like the professional singers and air quotes um, on the show are going to be her jess bush and rebecca romaine are the ones that have like the most professional training uh, which is why you get the most out of them, basically, in this in this episode, I think. The thing that I kept trying to hear, there's um, 
there's a, a particular musical phrase that you hear um, um, in a variety of, of um, shows and movies. It's called Dies Irae. And Dies Irae is um, the term used to mean death. It's this, um, um, it's how you express death um, is looming or death is here um, in, in TV and film basically you're just in music so like you hear like um uh, i think the most popular example would be like the haunted mansion kind of theme like that's if you can make sense of my humming that's dse and you hear it also like in lord of the rings especially with um the isengard theme um da 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 so, um, but I thought that the, I, I, it sounded like it when the organ was playing, but it didn't finish out. So I think there was like a hint of it, but then they just kind of like let it fade away. Anyway, so um, keep us connected. It's a waltz. Uh, it's in three, four time uh, from what I could tell. Um, and I agree, Eric, this was a phenomenal song. And I think this was like one of the songs that they um, had actually teased in some of the um, the commercials for this leading up to this musical episode. Yeah, um, this was good. This was good. But it was in the it was it was um, in the end of the song that um, Ahura like puts it together. Like um, we need to make this bigger. We there's a particular frequency. There's a particular uh, range that we need to hit 344 giga electron volts um, in order to break it. We need to have okay. a grand finale. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> this is funny. Like Chase, Chase talked to me on Friday. He was like, or Saturday maybe, I think, when we were heading to David's wedding. He was like, "Can I ask you about this here? What what's a what's an electron volt? Like, is that a thing?" Like, cause I don't know like my math and my science here. It's like, yeah, electron volts are a thing, right? It's, it's a measure of energy, right? Typically you would measure energy in joules, right? A joule is a Newton times a meter. How much energy does it take to move one Newton of force, one meter, whatever. Right. But like, yeah, electron volts are, are real things, but it's a measure of energy. So I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, we have to get this up to, right, a certain energy level to break this. Okay. But, like, at, when I first watched this, I I just heard 340 electron volt, 44 electron volts. I didn't hear the giga. So I was like, 344 electron volts is tiny because the electron volt is a tiny unit. Like, typically you measure it in, like, mega electron volts, which is, like, 10 to the sixth power so like if you need 344 giga electron volts that's 10 to the ninth power means you need 344 billion electron volts that's the power level that they're trying to get to just to put that in context because i i look this up i look this up right the average energy released in nuclear fission from uranium is only 200 mega electron volts, 200 million. Here we need 300 
billion. So this is a lot of energy that we need. This is a lot of energy that we need. <laughs> okay. But I also like when Uhura is explaining this, she's like, you know, we've seen this music kind of like drive people apart here, right? We've seen it cause like a fight between people. But music is communal, right? It helps bring us together. And that's what we need to do here. Like, and the th- she's like, you know, rowers, they, they bring it together. They row together and all these other things. Like, can we connect? It, like, and it fits with her song. Like, keep us connected. I've got to make this connection. So, like, I just, I like her, how she figured it out and her explanation here. I thought it was, I thought it was really nice. Right. And, yeah, go ahead, Dave. It, well, it, yeah, you, you kind of brought up that little piece of what she was saying. It kind of made me think back. I, I remember watching an interview with Roger Daltrey, the, lead singer of the who he was talking about when he was a kid you know being that post-war world war ii baby and the british were better at this keeping a hold of this than i think americans are of community songs um national songs all of that sort of stuff just having these songs that everybody knew and sung it didn't have to be necessarily like hymnals or anything like that but just just songs that everybody knew and you sang and it brought you closer together whereas like i think one of the things that we as americans sort of don't necessarily have is that anymore and we did in the early part of our u.s history we we did yankee doodle is one of them that was a very early you know military song that we had to march to and now just as general life goes past you don't necessarily always have those communal songs anymore so i like the point that they brought up here because i do feel that that's something we've lost in america now we sing to the radio we have a lot of music but do we all truly blend with like one centralized community based piece of music? Not necessarily as much anymore. So just something I thought about as I was watching that and Eric jogged my memory. Yeah. So Pike is thinking an ensemble song. All the voices, different harmonies, different tones, different things, and whatnot. And um, see what sounds happens. like a good job for the communications officer. Get Way to, to that. <laughs> That's good leadership, right there. Delegate that to your communications officer. <laughs> All right. So let's let's hail let's hail the ship. Let's hail the ship. And uh, I know we've been through some stuff, um, but I'm gonna let you um, talk. <clears throat> We're going to do the voice of the Enterprise thing. We need a grand finale. Whenever I think of grand finales in musical, I always go back to Singing in the Rain. Like that amazing, really long one, too. Grand finale. Gotta sing. Gotta dance. (laughs) Don't tell me you don't know Singing in the Rain. It's a great movie. So we we have like this really high energy song. We are one. It's our grand finale song. 
which is in a compound time, by the way. It's in 12-8 time. Like, this is like a ridiculous time signature for a song. And, uh... <clears throat> anyway, we have a lot of stuff going on, and uh, we're getting everyone singing. And, um... We, we eventually, guys, have an interlude um, in this grand finale, and we have K-pop that shows up. I hated that so much. I could, I, I literally could not stand that. I know it's popular today, but I, oh, it's like, my God. So is that the Klingons? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I like the Klingons came in and did their singing and dancing. Did you not? I would have enjoyed it if they didn't like go full like flipping auto tune with trap music. Yes. Yeah. Preferably. Is that what trap music is? Yeah, that's trap music. Okay, I don't know. I'm not a music guy. Yeah. No, it just, it just it wasn't wasn't my favorite part of it. It, it felt almost like an anti-climax to me. It. Did well, kind I mean, of this stood. also like okay. Go on, keep going, you guys. I was gonna you say it did kind of like stand out a little bit. I mean, in terms of an interlude, but anyway. And but this is like the first time we get like the dancing number in here, right? I mean, I guess we had it with like uh, Nurse Chapel's song, right? But most and like it was very brief with Una and Kirk, right? But like this is like the choreographed number right here. Right. right, people running down the halls and doing their doing their jump, you know. That's right. I would like the 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 West Side Story jump, the the fight, the jump fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so yeah, we see the the number continue to rise and rise and rise, and then Spock's like, "Oh shoot, maybe I should get in line and sing, get that extra four. and. Um, Boom. Explosion. We've saved it. And then we hear, you know, the Star Trek theme uh, coming in. I, know, I thought it was really cool how they went to the outside and the, the spinny, rotating ships yeah, and then the yeah. explosion. Was that a Dutch angle? Were those Dutch angles? <sighs> I wouldn't call that a Dutch angle. Okay. Maybe a little bit, but. Slight Dutch angle. That was yeah. a little kaleidoscope action stuff going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we saved it and now we're. We're happy that it's all over with. And, and we hug it out. We hug it out, and um, we're just wrapping things up, and La'an is like, it sucked, man. I bore my soul. It hurt like heck. Good good job. That's how it goes. That's, that's life. That's life. It happens. Yep. Say la vie. Yeah. Then it's a, a supplemental communication officer's log, right? And um, everyone is back to normal, not singing. And um, hey, maybe we should tell non-Starfleet folks like to be on the lookout for this kind of stuff. But like, we also have to go back to the recurring joke of Spock gets drunk with the Klingons. Yeah. Like from the first episode. Oh yeah, Spock had to go do some diplomatic relations with the Klingons, and he walks really slow Stumbling back it. onto the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Blood winding it up. Yep. Yep. And we also get Pike and Battelle too. You know, having having some some cooking from Julia Childs, which I thought was an interesting reference there. 
By the way, by the way, they were drinking some Chateau Picard wine. We did Saw that. Label. We may or may not have had some Chateau Picard ourselves <laughs> at the wedding. <laughs> I, I, I see Eric. <laughs> I, I can see. He's pointing at this wine bottle above it's, his head. It's right yeah, you, there. you both got a souvenir to bring home with you. Yep. Can I complain just real quickly? Of course. Of course. So, what became of all this? You hit your 344, your your 88 miles per hour, you know, it all wrapped up and and then you're just done. But then what? We didn't really learn anything here, did we? It, it would have been cool if like there was just something that came Oh, I'm I'm getting a transmission, and it's just a song that came through subspace from this riff, this whatever, this subspace fold, whatever we're gonna call it. You know that that wraps this up like we, we're we're actually gonna learn. No, it's like ah, just uh, give the information to everybody who's around. Well, what information is there to share? It's gone conceivably. Maybe it comes back. I have no idea. But I just think it would have been cool if through this whole experience, you know, we had a problem, we fixed it, we had our song and dance, but then the universe just gave us that little tiny bit that just said, hey, you learned something today and here's the universe speaking to you or whatever, or a race beyond this riff or the riff itself or or whatever you want to call it. But we didn't really get that and to me, it just seemed kind of like a lame conclusion to what was an interesting problem. Well, yeah, and like I think part of it was being able to um, expand your communications network was like the original idea, and being able to have like you know millions of light years or whatever, um, you know, covered in like like real time, basically. And I think we we kind of just like let that go right um for the song and dance that happened with with the rift so um but yeah um just real quick i mean una has like a fun little gag like is humming like one of the songs it's an earworm and everyone's freaking uh, out uh uhura is <laughs> humming it yeah and everyone else is freaking out what just yeah. an earworm Sorry. not again <laughs> And scene. So I know that we, we talked about that a long, long time, guys. Um, so unless there's any final thoughts, we can get into um, the evaluation stuff. <coughs> Anything? Bueller? All right. So, um, guys, how well do you think that the different divisions of Starfleet were represented in this episode? Um, well... I mean, we are doing a science project here, right? That's what starts this whole thing. Like, we're, we're, you know, we've got the science officer and the communications officer trying to build a communication relay. Like, that's a legitimate science project that we're working on. And the, and the chief engineer comes in and suggests, hey, what if you try this to help your science project? So it's like those are the three big people, right, working on a so, like, yeah, and something goes wrong. Typical Star Trek, right? We're doing a science project. Not all goes well. And 
you know, along the way, Pike is always like, science people, how do we fix this now? You've got us into this. How do we fix this? So like, I there's, and we we find the science here to solve this, right? Like, science is science is there. Um, I mean, operations is it is it part of operations how we're going and we're configuring the deflector with the Heisenberg compensators? Yeah. Is that is that still science or is that operations? operations. Right? Are we you know we're be, we're beaming in the the little particles right? And we, hey, let's try it on the small scale first, right? That seems like a good operational, right? Don't just go right to shoot your big phasers at first. Try it small. <laughs> That's a good, like, safety operation. Um, I mean, and I guess you could say, like, Una here is doing good command, I guess. She's, you know, she's talking to, she's trying to teach Kirk, connect to your crew, connect to your truth. You know, that's how you could be a good first officer. And she's trying to, like, talk to La'an here and saying, you know, maybe you just have to tell them these things, right? So I, I, I'm I, comfortable with all three of the of the Deltas here in this episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, I think that the, that's, that's all pretty poignant there, so. Yep. Yep. I'll have some... Um additions to like some science stuff in my chit chat here in a moment but um yeah i'm good with all of them too so uh, let's move right into our um, numerical rating so on a scale of one to ten one being a dumpster fire and ten being absolutely amazing how do you rate this episode uh david what do you think man so um i i think first off it I'm not a musical person. I, I'm just not. I am a musical person, but not a musical person. That made a lot of sense. Right. I, um, I understood it. <laughs> I got you, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like to play music. I you know, I like listening to music. I've you know been doing music most of my life. Um, so I, I understand a lot of where we're going here, but. I think there was a difference between my background in like orchestra and then doing band, you know, having bands, you know, here and there and still just, you know, picking around on guitars and stuff nowadays. Then the the musical aspect of the theater, I think there were two very different things, um, you know, and, and I and I really I don't like to nitpick music all that much because it's so unique to whoever's doing it i will say though i do get really tired of hearing drum machines and drum samples i'm pretty sure unless i'm very very wrong every one of these songs was an electronic drum and i kind of wish we got back to actual instruments more in music but i understand why they're there it's a heck of a lot easier if you listen to any 90s pop song or 2000s pop song, it's literally the exact same drum sample, just sped up or slowed down. Um, but anyway, I think that the, the cool thing about this episode was is it was very much Star Trek in that you had a problem, unique problem, and you found a solution to that problem within the scope of your episode. And like with Eric saying about the Deltas, you did have command. You did have your first officer, albeit in musical form, um, mentoring 
a newly minted first officer and you had her also going to her old friend Leon and like pushing her to be maybe more than somebody who just holds everything in, you know, just again through the guise of music. So I, I, I really, I, I like the way that that goes. And, you know, I, I just, I appreciate, I appreciate a scientific out, uh, outlook or a solution to our, our problem because so many things that we've been seeing in not all of our Star Treks, but a lot of our Star Treks haven't necessarily really bordered too much on science that we can talk about. You know, when Eric can come in here and talk about, you know, all of the terms that he talks about into the ninth and sixth power and all this stuff, like that's when we start talking about stuff that is actually fun for me to, to listen to, even though I might not understand every single point of it. So I really like that about it. Um, you had some great vocal performances in here, which I, I got to give a lot of props to. And, 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 you know, while again, I'm not a musical person, I, I, it, it's not really, it's not really my brand that I tend to, to really engage in all that much. I can appreciate what they did and how they executed it. So, um, I, I, I think that, I guess I also would say it probably deserves quite a bit of praise for just being somewhat original for, for Star Trek. Not original on the whole shot, because I, I've, I've seen musical episodes of other shows, so that's not necessarily unique, but I like the problem, I like the execution, I think that there could be some improvements here, but the, the, the thing that was my biggest complaint is, is that although we fixed the problem, there wasn't like that that end note like what was it um i don't remember the episode name but uh, it was nagilam where we had that sort of black spot in space that we were trapped in and he's playing with us and everything well at the end he speaks briefly to picard and you know kind of gives that last little push home to the episode that i just didn't feel like we got here it would have just been really nice to have that you know just i don't know Hey, there's a there's a data file here. It's it's a piece of music, and they all just kind of listen to it over the the speakers on the bridge. And it's like, wow, you know, the universe talked to us. That that would have just been a really cool thing, in my opinion. Maybe not everybody agrees with that, but that's for me. So, um, I think in terms of like a numeric rating, I, I, I it's definitely not a terrible episode. It's not the greatest episode I've ever seen. I think I am feeling like, oh boy, um, I feel like I'm going to be like way off from you guys, but <laughs> I, I, I think I'm going to just stick with like an 8.2 and just leave it there. All right. Okay. So 8.2 from David. Um, Eric, you want to go next or you want to go last? I can I can go now. That's fine. We'll let you close it out. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> there are a lot of people on online complaining like, "This is so stupid. This is ridiculous. Star Trek is not supposed to be have to be reduced to gimmicks and doing dumb musical things." And and like they're basically like, "This is supposed to be a smart show, and we're not supposed to like be playful and be ridiculous, and this is cringeworthy." But, like, 
you you had a science you were conducting a science experiment here or a science project to better further communications and something went wrong that and you know it caused people to break out into song like how is that any more ridiculous than a transporter accident causing picard to turn into a 10 year old like i i don't see the difference between those two things like one of them is equally ridiculous as the other yet you don't hear people complaining about rascals being like an utterly ridiculous episode and how dare they try something like this so like yeah it's it's ridiculous but it was fun and i like the fact that this show gets to play around with doing these things like discovery picard those shows they can't play around with different episode structures because they're so serialized and everything has to build on itself and you know star trek was always a little bit corny from the very beginning go back you just do you think the original series is super serious it's got a lot of like chase it at the beginning you got an episode about space hippies in there singing on their way to Eden with their ridiculous outfits. Like, how is this any more ridiculous than that? I know a lot of people don't think very highly of that episode, but like, it's fun. It's 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 got the things there. It's got a science project. It's got operations. Yeah, I kind of agree with David. Like, did we learn anything at the end? No, maybe we didn't. But I still think it's a classic Star Trek problem. And I don't think you're way off from from where we're going to be, David, because I'm just I'm going to bring it in at an eight. OK. And this is the part where Eric is like, Chase, check yourself. That, don't you don't have to check yourself. <laughs> I remember I remember that was part of the conversation that we had with Children of the Comet where I was well, coming in. Well, there's a reason why I said it then is like we had come off a low low. Right? A couple of low lows at that point. Well, Children of the Comet was the second episode. Well, yeah. I'm talking about the Picard season 2 and the Discovery oh, okay. season 4. We had come yeah. off some lows and I'm like, yeah, this is good, but like you know, people tend to overrate something that comes directly after something that they didn't care for. That's all I meant. Okay. But Children of the Comet is an amazing episode. Darn right it is. You do you, boo-boo. <laughs> okay. All right. <clears throat> and this is where we skew things, right? Um, all right. So one thing that um, had occurred to me um, along the way, but like I think it was like more realized towards one of my uh, final viewings of... Um, of this particular episode is the fact that yes we are dealing with um, a way to improve communications and it was this like aha moment that clicked for me that was very uh, meaningful and touching in a way um, because I, I think well I know that the the research that I conducted is about increasing emotional intelligence, among other things, through creative means, specifically music. And when we're looking at um, the structure of a brain, 
Um, the music and speech centers are basically next door neighbors. And part of what I was trying to do in my research, and there's a point to this, guys, um, and, and those in listener land, is um, I wanted to see, you know, if by playing, you know, certain musical excerpts from different genres, would it increase one's emotional intelligence and being able to articulate it, basically, and being able to measure it? And uh, the answer is basically yes. If we do this, it will increase things. So while we kind of get there in an indirect manner in this episode, we still basically arrive at that same conclusion that, you know, we start out with, you know, you know, sending, transmitting, you know, anything goes and boom, we're in this like kind of musical-esque reality, right? And it's because we're experiencing these heightened emotions from like things that are happening that we're expressing, there's this this um, expression of what we're feeling, what we're thinking, that we might not have um, otherwise been able to articulate. And I think that's the power of music. And we're getting this transformative experience as a result of that with our characters in the show. Um, now, granted, it's a little more over the top, you know, in a show compared to real life, but nonetheless, there is this growth there is this transformation that's happening with music to language in the same way that the research I conducted was with music to language. So that really resonated with me. We have um, some excellent musical numbers, music numbers uh, throughout this. And um, the thing that like just made me cringe at first was like K-pop. I can't stand rap. I just, I can't stand rap at all. And we have this like running gag in the house where it's like anytime you hear like random rap in a song, I automatically think, was Lin-Manuel Miranda part of the, the writing team for this particular song? Because it seems like every song he does, there's a rap or whatever. He was not. I looked it up, by the way. <coughs> so there's, there's that. Um, but the song did end up growing on me, just like with how ridiculous it was. Um, I had a lot of fun, you know, making sense of um, you know, like the type of musical structures that were in music structures that were in um, this episode and how they were used and like to advance the storytelling. Um, and I was debating with myself, is this or is this not a musical based on how the structure of a musical works? And it is in fact a musical. I, mean, I can talk about that some other time, but um, anyway. Um, there is it is grounded i think it is grounded in star trek stuff like like you've both said with the problem with science and with whatnot um and how we are creative in terms of how we approach this like i think one of the the consistent complaints that we've had um with more recent star trek is we got a problem and we basically go straight to a solution instead of trying something and failing and then trying something again and maybe failing again and then eventually succeeding we have that right we fail twice if i'm not mistaken um, and then we eventually succeed so like we're doing some really good stuff even if it is under the guise of a musical episode um and i i hear exactly what you're saying about you know 
what did we learn? Like, was there, why wasn't there like some special, like, you know, eight track or whatever that we can just like beam aboard and like listen to or whatever. Um, but I think I'm going to take a line from what Armin Shimmerin said in, in an interview about Deep Space Nine um, in, in terms of like the, the exploration in these other shows was out there. But with Deep Space Nine, the exploration was here. It was inside. It was internal. And I think the learning maybe wasn't so much about how we can set up a communications array or what we deal with, like, you know, um, this particular rift. But I think it was like learning about ourselves, like Spock learning about um, his relationship with, with Chapel and how that's falling apart. And, you know, I think that's going to lead to, you know, the Spock that we know in TOS and you know the movies and so on and so forth like with the other characters too I think you have that internal experience that's really meaningful so um, I'm going to um, be that guy I cannot give this episode a 10 so don't worry it's not a 10 for me um, but I am going to rate this thing higher than y'all um, I think this is a great episode. I think there's definitely some challenges with it, um, like from canon, um, like with the, like we were talking about, like with um, with Kirk and Carol and David and all that stuff. Um, why Kirk keeps showing up for crying out loud on on this um, Enterprise? Um, I think this is a great episode. I think there's some great stuff in here, um, all around, and um, I think I'm gonna have to give this thing. Coming in a little bit lower than I thought I would be, um, but I'm going to give this a 9.5. Okay. Told you. Told you I was going to skew this thing. And you're like, you do you, boo-boo. I did. I said that. You do you. <laughs> so uh, with that, we have um, an 8 from Eric, an 8.2 from David, and a 9.5 from me, which gives this episode an overall rating of an 8.56 or just an 8.6 which is uh, I did look by the way at um, IMDB and uh, we're way above it IMDB is at a 7 right now yeah which and that's I, what I was that's what I was talking about people are like this is ridiculous you're being so stupid yeah. it's like how is this any more stupid than Picard turning into an 8 year old or, or you know, Jane right? and Paris turning into salamanders and having salamander babies. Well, I was trying. Well, that I was trying to think of like that episode is not highly regarded, but people seem to love Rascals. That's why I keep going back to that. I don't like Rascals, by the way. Oh, but it's got a higher rating than this That's episode fine. on IMDb. That's fine. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, well, guys, we have uh, one more episode. Season wow. Five. Yeah, that's crazy. One more episode? This is over? <laughs> yep, and then Lord knows when we're going to be back with season three with the strike that's still ongoing at the time of Yeah. Well, at least we got Lower Decks number four, the one with right. whales. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, we also have Discovery season five that'll be on its, on its heels. Like January or, January or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have Disco five. Let's go. The final season. The final voyage. Hooray. I mean, no. I mean, hooray. <laughs> it's all over. All right. Well, before we get out of here, 
we have one final Twitter poll. You ready for this? Twitter poll. There Part it is. Two. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Part two. <laughs> <laughs> the right, Wrath of Khan. So the... <laughs> 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 All right. So, again, I know we just had a very long discussion about it, but the, the second poll was simply this. Was Subspace Rhapsody a hit or miss for Star Trek Strange New Worlds? So the options were hit, miss, or somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think it was a hit. Because yeah. I came into it thinking I'm probably not going to enjoy it. And I enjoy musicals. I was just like, are we really doing this? Right? At, you know, after a couple weeks after really doing the animated crossover. It's like, are we doing this? But I liked it, so I think it's a hit. Very good. Yep. Same. Same. All right. Well, um, coming in in last place with 7.1%, somewhere in the middle. That's fine. Uh, coming in in second place with 10.7% of the vote. A miss. Which means our winner with 82.1% of the vote was a hit. So yeah, the general consensus was that this was a great episode. It was a hit. Which is encouraging because like, you know, you hear people out there that are just complaining for the sake of complaining. You know, yep. but... Um, I think it's just as important, you know, I know that we, we have like our opinions of like the different shows and even, you know, episodes and stuff, but we, I think we do our best to come in with an open mind on stuff as well. Um, as we discuss this, like, you know, just watching it and discussing it. So mm-hmm. that's it. That's it, fellas. Thanks for uh, the discussion. I know this was a longer discussion. It was a, certainly a different type of episode, but here we are. Here we are. Um, so thanks, thanks as always for this. Uh, we'll be back next time for our um, season finale, our season two finale discussion uh, for the episode Hegemony. Uh, the Gorn are back. Gorn are back. So um, anyway, all you out there in Listenerland, what did you think of the episode? How many times have you watched it? And um, if you've listened to the, uh, the soundtrack for this episode, how many times have you listened to that? Let us know. Uh, get in contact with us, trtvpod at gmail.com. Of course, you can send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit, so uh, watch out or else I'm going to um, sing your ear off, and it's not going to be pretty. Um, you know, if you want to mail us something, like, I don't know, a metronome or the, a poster for this particular episode, that'd be great. Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, and as always, remember to bold to go and make it safe.